It's the John Lund Show on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You can search Niners Nation where you get your favorite podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast. Five stars would be nice. And uh, check us out. Subscribe where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Me, uh, KMBR Radio, KBR 680, which is the flagship radio home of the 49ers. I'm there with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., Weekdays. Also, during the season, I am your host for 49ers pre and post game on the 49ers radio network. I've also hosted pre and post game uh, shows for the Dallas Cowboys, Detroit Lions, Pittsburgh Steelers. So, hopefully, all those things are very impressive. And at John Lund Radio on Twitter, you can leave your questions, comments. I love to get feedback on the podcast. So, please go to at John Lund Radio on Twitter. You can leave your questions, your comments. Uh, they can be uh, anytime, I'll make sure to get back to you on Twitter on that, and we'll use the best ones on the John Lund Show here on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We'll put together a mailbag weekly. All right, today on the podcast, a lot of things to get to. The first few days of camp, the five most important players in camp, which, by the way, are subject to change. I'll explain. George Kittle's contract and why it's great for the 49ers and Kittle. And you'll hear from Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, and John Lynch along the lines of that contract. Who's next on the 49ers free agent list? Yes, we're already jumping ahead to that. John Lynch will address that. I got camp notes for you. Injuries, what's important, what's not. Who's flashed so far, who didn't. And before I get to all of that, first and foremost, you're go- this is the camp philosophy to live by. I am a reporter and a talk show host, so I need content. The beat writers out there, they've got to write about something. When you go out to camp, basically your editors tell you, we need a play of the day, a player of the day, all those different things. Now, camp philosophy is this. We don't know what's really going on. All right, We have never had less access to the players than we do with COVID-19 training camps. Uh, the vets aren't going 100%. We don't know how many times that play has been run. Uh, maybe the defense all of a sudden has gotten sick of it and they jumped that. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo got intercepted and it was returned for a touchdown. Speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo, here's two good examples on my camp philosophy of don't believe anything and the only thing to worry about is injuries. Don't worry about anything except for injuries. That's the camp philosophy. A year ago last Friday on my show on KMBR, we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo throwing five interceptions in Denver during a practice. Then he followed that up with a game in which he played Denver and his quarterback rating that day was Blutarski from Animal House. Zero point zero. Everyone panicked. Everyone freaked out. Last I checked, Jimmy Garoppolo coming off a major knee injury and the first season that he's ever been a 16-game starter in his NFL career, he led the 49ers to the Super Bowl. So last year we were freaking out in camp. He took the team to the Super Bowl. Now, would you have liked for him to hit that Emmanuel Sanders pass? Yes. Would you have liked for him to play better in the fourth quarter? Yes. But Jimmy Garoppolo did pretty well, and last year, everyone freaked out over the Denver practice. Everyone freaked out over the Plotarski 0.0. It worked out just fine. We have to, as reporters, do camp stats. I hate them, but you do camp stats because people eat them up. People click on it. It's just the way it goes. Another example Marcus Rush led the NFL in preseason sacks four years ago with the 49ers. He had eight in four games, didn't make the team. It's not saying that camp isn't important. They obviously are missing games, so it's not about that. But camp stats are dumb. Coaches lie. I'll do the best I can in the podcast to cut through everything. Uh, I know people will tell me the truth. I'm down there. But just know this. Everything else is irrelevant 
about training camp except for injuries. Doesn't matter how many interceptions are thrown. Doesn't really matter who looks good, who flashes. Those things happen all the time. There, there are scrimmages. Things are. I'm not saying that it's not important at all. Brandon Ayuk so far, we'll get into this in the podcast today, has looked really, really good in Zoom meetings and on the field. There is some truth to it, but it's like spring training if you watch baseball. I don't know who's working on their fastball. I don't know who's working on a new pitch. I don't know what veteran's trying to, what he's doing with his changeup. I don't know what a hitter is doing. Is he trying to go oppo? Is he working on that? That's what spring training in baseball is about. It's the same thing in training camp. I don't know who's working back from injury. I don't know who's feeling as good. I don't know what Kyle Shanahan is trying to accomplish offensively, defensively, how many uh, times a defense or offense has seen a certain play. So we have to cover the team this way, but the philosophy is very, very simple. Nothing else matters except for injuries. Say it with me. Nothing else matters except for injuries. Along those same, along that front, Kyle Shanahan today updated us. If you haven't heard, Jalen Hurd, who a lot of buzz around Jalen Hurd, Third-round pick out of Baylor last year had been a running back at Tennessee, six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds. Came into camp uh, looking like granite, looking like uh, Mister Universe. And last year he broke his back. He had a preseason game in which he scored a touchdown. Uh, everybody was happy with Jalen Hurd. Everybody was excited uh, in the offseason. Kyle Shanahan was talking about it. What a chess piece that Jalen Hurd could be. And now it looks like Jalen Hurd has blown out his knee on the first day of training camp. Here's Kyle Shanahan. Um, we still haven't gotten the result yet. Um, but, I mean, I, I saw something that ACL was reported today. That's We'll be surprised if it's not. So um, happened yesterday. He's at the MRI right now. But um, it's a pretty unfortunate thing for him. The guys, um, we know what he went through last year um, with his back. And uh, the guys worked as hard as anyone on our team to get back. And um, for him to get hurt before he actually got to go out there and just a freak thing on air cutting um, really felt bad for the guy. Looks like an ACL for Jalen Hurd. He would be out for the year. I'll tell you in the five most important players in camp what the wide receiver position is like right now. In fact, let's get to it. It is time for the five most important players in camp. Quarterbacks, it goes without saying that Jimmy is number one on the list or quarterbacks for any team. All right, my quarterback philosophy, you can't talk about the quarterback too much. You can't. Somebody go to say, you're talking about the quarterback too much. You can't. Every offensive possession, he has the ball in his hands every single play. Now, look, if you run a wildcat or something, okay. But you can't talk about the quarterback too much. So I like Jimmy. He needs to be better. He was good, but the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl will always stick with him until the 49ers win one. That's just what it is. But as I said, he's coming off a knee injury. It was his first season starting. He's still got plenty of time. Yes, he's wearing a brace. That seems to be big news. Jimmy told me he came in, so we were at camp last year. Jimmy told me in camp last year he was probably going to wear a brace, whether he needed it or not, the rest of his career. It's a titanium brace. It's very light. So if you see Jimmy wearing a brace or if somebody's writing about Jimmy wearing a brace, he's not hurt. It's not a mental thing. He just has grown used to it, and he's probably going to wear a brace as long as he plays. All right, quarterback done. He is not one of the five most important in camp, but it goes without saying that a quarterback always is. All right, in no particular order, Javon Kinlaw. They traded Buckner for the 13th pick, and after a move back to 14 with Tampa, this is who they got, Javon Kinlaw. The 49ers will put pads on on Monday, so we're going to get a better sense of just where Kinlaw is. But I know this 
from sitting in on a lot of 49er Zoom meetings this offseason. The phrase that keeps coming up is how big of a man Javon Kinlaw is. Now, Buckner was big. That's what you're saying to yourself, right? Well, wait a minute. Buckner was big. Buckner was about 6'6", 300. He was about 290, really. He was streamlined. He was thinner. He wasn't the plugger that Kinlaw is. And I'm not saying he's a plugger, but inside when you get DJ Jones and Javon Kinlaw, I think that you're going to have a more stout running defense. And we saw in the Super Bowl that while everybody was so worried about the Kansas City passing game, that the Chiefs offset everything with the running game. And and obviously Kinlaw is going to help with that. So Kinlaw and Jones inside. DJ Jones coming back from injury. That would be great if they could pressure the quarterback. If Kinlaw can pressure the quarterback, that's going to be a bonus. But this first year, if he plugs it up inside, plays well, he is a massive man. Just massive arms, massive legs. He's very thick, but he's very athletic as well. He's listed at about 6'5", 326. So that's Javon Kinlaw. He is number one on my list. Here is Kyle Shanahan on Kinlaw and a little bit IU because I'm going to get into receivers next. Um, I mean... You know, we haven't been around each other a ton, so we all get here, and, you know, everyone's going to look at the first-round picks first. So, you know, Kinlaw and Ayuk are probably the guys the players are watching more, trying to judge how they are. And these guys came in working their tails off. So uh, we haven't been here that long. Um, so I'm not just going to say it's a finished product. You know, we got to keep doing that and keep working. But um, both of those guys have come in, fallen right in line. You know, it, it really helps um, – you know, how, how the rest of our team is, you know, we, we didn't get as many team meetings when we start and we go out to walk through and everything and um, to not have to address a lot of people and how hard we go. Um, and the rookies kind of just fall in line because they watch everyone else doing it. Um, so if, if you come in slacking around, you, you look pretty out of place. Um, usually a lot of the players are going to get to you before even a coach has to. And when you have a guy like Kinlaw and Ayuk who come in and the players are probably expecting to tell them, hey, you got to turn it on a little bit. This isn't college. Um, when you don't have to tell guys like that, uh, it is impressive. Uh, they are working right away. So they, they do seem like a pro. Um, but today was the first practice. We've got a long way to go. Um, the key will be keeping that up. There's Kyle Shanahan talking about the two rookies in Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk. You'll see that you'll know this about me. During the podcast, I'll break into stories a lot. And as I was listening to Kyle there, it kicked something in my head, which is strange because there's a lot rattling around in there, which is I do the pregame and the postgame with Dennis Brown. He's a Super Bowl champion with the 49ers. And, and when Dennis Brown came in, he came on to a Super Bowl team. And so he had a bunch of veteran guys. Charles Haley was around. Uh, Richard Dent was around the year that he came in. A lot of veteran players, Ronnie Lott was around. And there was a, t- he, he, he's told me the many stories that there was a certain way that you had to conduct yourself. You were a winner. The 49ers expected you to play at a certain level. There wasn't, I'm a rookie. There was, uh, that, that didn't exist. And what you're hearing from Kyle Shanahan right there is there is, again, a certain level that you have to come into. Brandon Ayuk, you're replacing Emmanuel Sanders. There's no, there's no, you're a rookie, so we'll give you a break. It's Emmanuel Sanders and more is what the standard is. You got to be high as high or higher than that. Same thing with Javon Kinlaw. You're replacing DeForest Buckner. He was a second team All Pro. It doesn't matter that you're a rookie. You've got to come in and play well. All right, number two, wide receivers in general, the most important five most important players in camp. Wide receivers in general. Play this. Play play along with me on this. Tell me the starting three wide receivers in week one. I'm going to assume for a minute, and I'm going to let you hear from uh, Kyle Shanahan in just a second. Let's assume for just a second that Debo is out because Jones' fractures are a little bit tricky. So you say Ayuk, Bourne, and Taylor. 
Trent Taylor came back uh, this weekend, was really, really good. So I'm going to put Trent Taylor in the slot along with Bourne, who's the return, is the leading outside receiver returning for the 49ers, and Brandon Ayuk, the first round pick. So then I could say Pettis, Tavon Austin, and Jawan Jennings, who a lot of people think is, I'm not going to say a carbon copy of what Jalen Hurd brings because Jalen Hurd runs in the 4 5 3 range. One of the reasons, or the reason, that Jawan Jennings, a rookie out of Tennessee, the seventh round pick, dropped in the draft is that he was about a, about a four seven two, but he can do a lot of the things that Jalen Hurd could do. Mismatch in the slot, mismatch, you put him at different places. That's what Jawan Jennings brings to the table. To me, uh, Richie James is clearly on the bubble and he's got a broken wrist right now. Add to Von Austin to the mix. Add a veteran J.J. Nelson to the mix. Could add Jerron Brown, formerly of the Seahawks and Cardinals, to the mix as well. So that's what's going on as far as the receivers. Now, one of the recently picked up vets could start. When thinking about the wide receivers, this, this is what you have to remember when it comes to Kyle. He values maximizing a play. So when he draws up a play, he's told me this, when he draws up a play, are you consistently maximizing what he thinks that play is worth? That's one. Number two, you got to be able to block. Kyle Shanahan's offense, a lot of people think he's throwing the ball over the place. They run the ball first. So if you're an outside receiver and you can't block, you're going to be docked for that. That's just the way that Kyle Shanahan is. And thirdly, like most NFL coaches, Kyle Shanahan has very little patience. If you're going to drop the ball, if you're going to fumble the ball, those are the kind of things that he puts at the top of the list as far as his wide receiver. So my guess is Ayuk, who has looked good both mentally and physically, and you'll hear more from Kyle Shanahan later on in the podcast about him. Uh, Kendrick Bourne has looked even better in the offseason. He's worked really hard. Kyle Shanahan has mentioned his name a lot. And again, Trent Taylor is coming back. Now, he's had injuries, and you know my philosophy on injuries. He's had some injuries, but right now, Trent Taylor looks very good. Ayuk, Bourne on the outside. Taylor to start in week one. Jennings, I think, is going to make this team now that Jalen Hurd is out. And then a battle between the vets in Nelson and Austin I think Dante Pettis' time has come. I think that he gets moved. He's never gotten back out of Kyle Shanahan's uh, doghouse. And the th- the reason why they drafted Dante Pettis out of Washington in the first place was because of his special teams abilities. He set an NCAA record for kick and punt returns as far as touchdowns. They don't trust him back there, and that was his main value coming aboard. He hasn't progressed as a wide receiver. I think Pettis gets moved one way or the other. I think James gets cut again in the Super Bowl. They were not happy with Richie James and his kick returns. I think there are other guys on the roster who might be able to fill in those duties. So there you go. That's the wide receiver position. One of the five most important players in camp, but I cheated. I gave you the whole wide receiver core, which I'll have my eye on. I told you I'd update you on the status of Debo Samuel. Actually, Kyle Shanahan will update you on the status of Debo Samuel. But I didn't think it was possible that Samuel would be back for week one. I saw him working out on the side uh, over the weekend and Monday during practices. But Kyle Shanahan, while bad news, Jalen heard good news potentially on Debo Samuel. Um, I mean, the way I kind of see it in my mind, I think we're hoping for week one, um, not counting on it. Um, but I think that's kind of the area that these injuries usually heal by. But a lot of that has to do, are you ready to play? Are you, as it fully healed by that time, are you in football shape? Which it's, Debo's going to do everything he can to be in shape, but it's hard to be in football shape until you can play football. Um, so how many practices do we get him in here before Arizona? Um, so that's going to all go into play, but I'm hoping for week one, um, but not sure yet. It's a little too early. I would be shocked if it was week one. Most organizations in the 49ers are this way. 
if it's close, although Arizona's a big game, and Arizona, you may be kind of chuckling, but remember, Arizona gave the 49ers two really tough games. I think Kyler Murray's going to be better. They'd love to have Debo back. I just don't think they'll rush him back at all, given uh, so many injuries to skilled position players over the last couple of years. But Kyle Shannon surprised me a little bit there in talking about even a possibility for Debo in Week 1. If that's the case... Then it's Debo. Hopefully it's Ayuk, who we keep hearing really good things about, both mentally and physically. He's looked really good in camp, which I'll tell you about more in just a second. He's looked really good in camp. And Kyle said that uh, he's done really well in the Zoom meetings as well. So there you go. Wide receivers, Brandon Ayuk, uh, as we're giving you the five most important players in camp. Let's go to, speaking of injuries, Jarek McKinnon. If you can't remember McKinnon in Minnesota, no one would blame you. Uh, I'm not sure if he still has the 4-3-ish speed. He's been out for two seasons now. He's had issues, obviously, with the knee. But if he's right, and I've talked to a lot of people within the 49ers, and they think he is, the 49ers have another. We just talked about it. Mismatch player. You got Mostert and you got Coleman. I think they split first and second down, and the McKinnon can come in, and he can be an ideal third down back in a Kyle Shanahan offense. He runs routes like a wide receiver. He blocks way above average in pass protection. He's a matchup advantage if he still has that speed, which is another Kyle thing. Matchups. Look at all these different matchups. He can throw all sorts of different types of players uh, on the field, McKinnon would be that way. So far in camp, and again, it's early Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they'll put on the pads. But uh, he was lining up in slot as well as in the backfield. He's that good of a receiver coming out of the backfield. So that is Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon was one of the guys that spoke on Sunday to the media. Here's what uh, Jarek McKinnon, the Jet, says about what it feels like being back. Um, it was good just getting back out there, um, you know, in, tr- in camp. Uh, you know, when we got back before and did the walkthroughs, you know, everything's just been, you know, you know, so so good and so well. Just being out there with the teammates, the coaches, you know, for me it's been a long time, a long time coming. And um, you know, just to be back out there on the field warming up and doing all the small things, the little things, uh, you know, I definitely feel blessed and um just happy to be back in the situation that I am today. Jarek McKinnon again, sounds good. My again, I keep giving you philosophies, but this will be good. I'm trying to give you. It's, it's kind of like setting up a movie, right? You'll know that you can't talk about the quarter, uh, the quarterback too much. You'll know what it means when somebody starts taking stats in the camp. What our philosophy is that I want you to adopt about uh, about camp. Another philosophy with injured players. Jalen Hurd is on this list for me. Jarek McKinnon is on this list for me. Trent Taylor is on this list for me. For as good as this offense was a year ago, they have all these different types of different offensive skill weapons that could be coming back, and I'm excited about them, just like you are probably excited about them. But injured players get injured. Jarek McKinnon, since he's become a 49er, has always been injured. So my philosophy on that is they've got some great running backs, and he is different. He can really be a great Jarek McKinnon, a great third down back. But Jarek McKinnon, all I've known of Jarek McKinnon as a 49er is is injury. So if you're injured, uh, Jason Verrett goes onto this list as well, the corner that uh, has been on the 49ers for for a couple of years, and he hasn't been able to get things together. Those guys are bonuses to me. You can't rely on McKinnon. You can't rely on Verrett. You can't rely on Hurd. can't rely on Taylor until they prove they can stay healthy. This is obviously a brutal game. So I want Jarek McKinnon to be healthy. I'm encouraged by the reports of Jarek McKinnon, but until I see Jarek McKinnon actually on the field, running routes, running with the ball, staying healthy, you know, making sure he's not wearing a sleeve or anything on his knee, so I'm sure it's fine for him. I'm simply saying that as a fan or as somebody who's covering the team, I would look at Jarek McKinnon as a bonus. He's a bonus guy. He's not a guy where I say, okay, I'm relying on Jarek McKinnon. 
because you can't rely on injured players because what do injured players do? They get hurt. All right, number four on the list of five most important players that we're watching in camp, obviously the cornerback opposite Richard Sherman. I just mentioned Jason Verrett. He's creating buzz again, but Verrett was a pro bowler in 2015. He's played in exactly six games the last four years. If you didn't know, that's not good. Uh, he, he played one game last year where he got popped for a B.I., then he got beat for a touchdown, and he was, sh- uh, he was shut down for the rest of the year. Now, he's 29, so he's still young enough, but he's got an injury history, and as I told you what my philosophy is, Witherspoon, to me, the corner opposite Sherman, right now the competition is Witherspoon or Mosley, Emmanuel Mosley and Akilah Witherspoon. That's it. Now, if Jason Verrett gets involved in it because he can be healthy or shows he can be healthy, then that's fine. Then I'll put him in the picture. But right now, he's a bonus. I, he's a mystery. He's 29 years old, so he's still young enough. But with an injury history like that, he, he just has to basically, hey, it's a surprise. Oh, he's back. Okay. Uh, so I'm not going to count on him yet. Akilah Weatherspoon and Emmanuel Mosley. Weatherspoon physically is everything the 49ers are looking for in a corner. He's 6'3", he's 200 pounds, he's long, he's athletic. The problem with Akilah Weatherspoon is his mentality. A corner has to have a mentality of, oh, well, I just got burned. <laughs> I'm going to go back out there. Oh, that guy just beat me. I'm going to go back out there. He lets it get to him. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley on the other side has had to has had to fight as a free agent to come up in the NFL. He's 5'11", 185, but he's a bulldog type of player. So I think mentally Emmanuel Mosley is a little bit better. But again, he's not that big. He's feisty. I think Mosley wins the spot. Verrett coming up on the outside if he can be healthy. Uh, also watch 2019 seventh round pick Tim Harris. He's listed at six foot one, 205 pounds, missed last season with an injury. I'll be honest with you. And again, this is another philosophy of mine. I haven't seen Tim Harris play a whole lot. Uh, I saw some YouTube videos when he got drafted. I've heard some buzz from a, from some of the scouts with the 49ers. I can't give you a full blown description. I think Tim Harris could be great because I don't know. So I'm not going to tell you what Tim Harris is going to be. I'm just telling you he's got the size that the 49ers covet, and he was drafted last year. He might be a guy who could get into it as camp progresses, so it's another guy to keep an eye on. I mean, think of where it's 35. And finally, number five, five guys I'm going to be watching at camp, Trent Williams. Uh, Trent Williams just thir- turned 32. Uh, if he's as good as ever, then you got your left tackle, and he's protecting Jimmy Garoppolo. They'll put pads on Monday. So what you want to watch or what do you want to watch for is Nick Bosa taking on Trent Williams. Remember last camp, last year's camp where Joe Staley and Nick Bosa went at it and then they kind of compared notes and it made Nick Bosa better as a rookie. I think that's going to be a great thing. I think having a guy as athletic as Trent Taylor, or excuse me, as Trent Williams, Trent Williams owns a gym. If you can, in fact, I have this at John Lund radio on my Twitter feed. I have a picture of Trent Williams, and he's got the sleeves cut off of a press conference that he did last week. He's got the biggest arms I've ever seen on a man. He can jump up onto those boxes. I mean, it's ridiculous for a guy that's like 320 pounds. He's 6'6", 320. It's ridiculous the kind of athleticism that that this guy has. So I put him at number five. Not that I have a question on him because there's a lot of people asking, well, can he still play? He sat out a year. Are you kidding? He's one of the most athletic big guys you'll ever see. He played in this offense with the Shanahan's. He wanted to come here. The only question will be at the end of the season, and we'll talk about this a little bit later when we get into George Kittle's contract. The only question is, can they keep him around long-term? He's an elite left tackle. He's top five. He might be top three. He might be top one. But he fits in the offense, his athleticism. I love Joe Staley. Uh, Joe Staley was on my radio show 
uh, for three years. It was a weekly thing. I think I think the world of Joe Staley as a person, as a player, but Trent Williams is going to be better. It's as simple as that. All right, those are the five players I'm watching and five things, five most important players in camp. I gave you QB philosophy. I gave you Javon Kidlaw, Brandon Ayuk, wide receivers in general, Jarek McKinnon, the corner opposite Sherman, and Trent Williams. Those are the five most important players in camp, and that is subject to change. It's a John Lund Show on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Remember to search Niners Nation where you get your favorite podcast. Follow me at John Lund Radio. Remember, if you have questions, comments, any of those kind of things in the podcast, make sure you get them to me throughout the week. Number two uh, of things we must discuss this week, George Kittle's contract. Why it works for both sides. It's a great deal for the 49ers. Kittle, as you well know, he's a unicorn. Uh, He blocks, he catches, he's a team leader, he keeps everybody loose, and the deal was always going to get done. So last week when a lot of people were saying that they were far apart and how could you, how could you, you got a wide receiver over here, Amari Cooper's making 20 million bucks and Austin Hooper got his deal, he's making 11 million bucks, he's a wide receiver, he's an offensive tackle, he's, he's all these different things. The whole time, and I'm rarely right so I'm going to crow when I'm right, the whole time I thought to myself, well if Amari Cooper's making 20 million a year and Austin Hooper's making 11 million dollars a year, that's 31 million dollars, I'm horrible at math, but that's about $15.5 million for the middle ground. Guess what his average annual value, which is what AAV is, his average annual value is $15 million. That's what we thought. Now, it comes down to guarantees, $30 million, $40 million for injury. It all becomes the middle ground for that. So it's good for the 49ers. Think about it like this. The amount of guaranteed money, $30 million, that George Kittle got was the same amount that, or about the same amount that Jarvis Landry got. Average annual value of the contract, Jarvis Landry's at $15.2 million. George Kittle's at $15 million. Who'd you rather have, Jarvis Landry or George Kittle? That's a great deal for the 49ers. It's a great deal for George Kittle because Austin Hooper makes $11 million a year, had $10 million in bonuses. George got $30 million in bonuses, and George is going to make fifteen a year. So George got what he wants, which is he resets the tight end market. The 49ers get what they want. Because for the price of Jarvis Landry, who's a good, not great wide receiver, they get George Kittle, who's the best tight end in the game. That's a good deal for the Niners. That's a good deal for George Kittle. Fifth rounder, gets generational money, $15 million a year. By the way, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you a question here, and then we're going to hear from, uh, from uh, John Lynch, George Kittle, and we have Kyle Shanahan in that cut. No, we're just going to hear from George Kittle and John Lynch on the contract. After these, I want you to think about this, but not look it up. There's the Brady Six, which is famous. Obviously, the quarterback's drafted before Tom Brady. There is now the Kittle Eight. That's right. In the 2018 NFL Draft, there were eight tight ends drafted before George Kittle. Who were they? I'll tell you in a minute. Here's John Lynch on getting the deal done. You know, I knew we were dealing with some interesting dynamics there, and I knew as a result it would be a challenge. And... uh, um, uh, there never was a challenge in terms of um, the like-mindedness, the <clears throat> the shared motivation to get it done. It was just fine. And where where is that spot? Because um, you know, typically those things, these things kind of fall right into place. Here we had to kind of create that, and that it, therein lied the challenge. And you know, I just want to thank um, first of all George and his family for their patience throughout it. I obviously want to thank the York family for uh, making it all possible. And, uh, 
you know, I, I, uh, Jack Becta did a tremendous job. It wasn't uh, an easy negotiation, um, but uh, everyone stayed, uh, you know, positive and resolute through the whole thing that we were going to find a way to get it done. And, and we did that. And, and that makes everyone happy. John Lynch told a great story uh, off of uh, off of Mike. So that was a Zoom call with the uh, the media he told a story about how he was a safety and the safety position was undervalued. And for about 24 hours, he was the highest paid safety until Brian Dawkins came along and got paid higher. So John Lynch is going into this. And a lot of people, when John Lynch was hired with no front office experience, he came out of the booth at Fox. And a lot of people said, well, what could he possibly know about contracts, getting deals done? Well, he was a guy at an undervalued position, safety, and he tried to, alter the safety position. Now, obviously he didn't set the safety position like George, like George Kittle set the tight end position, but he knew something about it. So obviously when he was talking to his agent, Jack Becton, that's who John Lynch references in that cut. He knows something about it and he could go to him and say, look, I understand about resetting the market. I'm not saying that the deal was easy to get done, but when you looked at receivers, when you looked at tight ends, you could meet somewhere in the middle and then, oh, by the way, Travis Kelsey got a deal done. He should send George Kittle some money or a stake or something like that. And Zach Ertz is going to get a deal done there as well. Speaking of setting the market, here's George Kittle on resetting the tight end market. I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, I think overall, you know, tight ends are occasionally forgot about or, you know, not advertised enough. And I think the fact that, you know, guys are exploding through the, the ceiling that was set, um, you know, with me, Travis Kelsey had a fantastic new deal. Um, I know Ertz is about to get one. And uh, the guys that are just blowing through that, it, it's just it's fun to see. And, you know, I think uh, you know, Titans will just continue uh, to prove that, you know, we're worth a lot to the team. And uh, I'm just thankful that the Niners uh, organization, uh, you know, believed in me and gave me that opportunity. Now, here's, here's something that was important and really wasn't reported a, a lot. Wasn't reported, wasn't discussed a lot as far as the George Kittle deal was Concerned, He never said that he had set a deadline or he wouldn't sign or he didn't want to talk about it during the season, but he certainly wanted to get the deal done. Here's George Kittle talking about getting the deal done so he can focus on football. That was a big part of it. Just wanted to get it done, you know, have uh, some security, have, you know, just, you know, now I can go into a football field and, um, you know, not have any worries about anything. I don't have to worry about getting injured. I don't have to really worry about anything. I can just go out there and focus on football, which is, you know, I have the best job in the world. I get paid to play football. And I uh, know now I'm taken care of and my family's taken care of. And now I can just focus on that. I don't have to worry about money. I don't have to worry about anything else. I can just go out there and play football and run through someone's face. And I'm really excited about that. I love the last part. I want to run through someone's face. I wish I could run through someone's face. I'm just too small. I've just never been big enough to run through somebody's face. Uh, finally, here is John Lynch. A lot of work to be done. This is going to be, you think this deal was hard? A lot of work to be done, and the floor of the salary cap set because of COVID-19 and not having any fans, and uh, revenue will be down. Uh, the floor for next year is $175 million, which means that the cap could go down 20 to $25 million or even more. Here's John Lynch on what's next for the 49ers as, as far as signing free agents. So now I think we go back to the drawing board and start prioritizing and, and looking at uh, you know when people are coming due. And just like we always do, looking three, three years out, looking two years out. And so thinking about the present and always thinking about the future. You know, it's going to be tough, but the 49ers, I will say this, one of the reasons why they've been so good is because Parag Marathe, who is their, their cap guy, and there's a number of different guys in the front offices that are the bean counters and, and counting the numbers and those kind of things, I think they'll get it done. But they get Kittle done. He's kind of the base of the house, both on and off the field. 
He's a he's a leader. He keeps things loose. He's a he's a he's a very good leader despite his age. He's 27 years old, and of course, we all know what he can do on the football field. But Trent Williams, I think they didn't get him for just one year at left tackle. Makes 13.6. Laramie Tunsil signed a deal for 22 million dollars at 32 next year. 33. I don't think he's going to get that kind of money, but he's going to need money. Richard Sherman's a free agent. Akilah Weatherspoon across from him is a free agent. So both. Potentially your starting corners, but specifically Sherman, are going to be free agents. Your your slot corner, Kwan Williams, who's vastly underrated, and I'll get to an injury on him in a minute. He's a free agent in the offseason. DJ Jones in the middle, that defensive tackle, he's a free agent in the offseason. So there's a lot of work for the 49ers to do. This is just the start of it, but obviously great to get George Kittle's deal done. It's a John Lund Show on the Niners Nation podcast network. Remember to search Niners Nation where you get your favorite podcast and make sure you follow me at John Lund radio. All right, let me give you a camp update. First, the good, uh, Jarek McKinnon, who we heard from today, happy to be back lined up in the slot this weekend in the backfield. He looked fast, did have a run up the middle on Sunday, but again, he looked this way two years ago, but, uh, in the good column so far, the first couple of days of camp, Jarek McKinnon, the 49ers always seem to find running backs out of nowhere. The latest, could be a guy out of Baylor, Jamichael Hasty, undrafted. Uh, he looked good in passing drills. It's another thing, again, with Kyle, Kyle Shanahan offense, you got to be able to do it all out of the backfield. Another small, quick guy, about 5'8", 205, had 811 all-purpose yards and seven touchdowns his senior year at Baylor, 4'5", uh, 40 at the Combine. And if you look at the history under Kyle Shanahan of running backs for the 49ers, it's not like they're spending first-round picks. It's usually guys that are free agents. Matt Breed is gone, but you think about Breed and you think about Mostert, and you know only Tevin Coleman really is a guy that you had heard of. Most of the running backs that come around with the 49ers are guys like this guy. So again, a guy to keep uh, in mind that is uh, off. Also, you play, uh, a little bit earlier we played this, but Brandon Ayuk has been impressive. He caught a nice 45-yarder from Jimmy in the passing sessions on Sunday. Trent Taylor said during his press conference availability today that he likes both Ayuk and seventh-rounder Jawan Jennings. We played that for you a little bit early. So Ayuk and Jennings are guys to keep an eye on as well. Now, not so good things, injuries. I told you the worst thing, the only thing you got to worry about in training camp Everybody's got it as reporters. Let me pull back the curtain a little bit for you as reporters. What we have to do is because we want to get clicks and we want to get people to watch and we want to get people to listen to podcasts is that we have to come up with a player of the day. We have to come up with a play of the day. We have to make it bite-sized pieces so that everybody can say what happened today. How did Jimmy look? What were Jimmy's stats? I told you, take it all with a grain of salt. And the only thing that matters is injuries. So nickel corner K1 Williams, he suffered a calf injury during Saturday's practice. There was no update on K1 Williams and Eric Armstead again, sat out practice both days, Saturday and Sunday, stiffness in his back, uh, listening to Kyle Shanahan on Saturday night in his press availability, said that if it was something more important that uh, Eric Armstead would be out there, probably going to give him a few days, and he's going to return later on in the week. So Armstead, K1 Williams, Jalen Hurd, those are the main injuries. One thing I wanted to let you hear Kyle Shanahan talk about was Jordan Reed. Of course, he had a concussion. He's had a number of them. His latest was last August 22nd. He was on on the side on Saturday's session before moving to a side field for some individual work. So here's Kyle Shanahan, an update on a player he knows well from the Redskins, Jordan Reed. Um, Jordan hasn't been here very long. Um, I, we do know his history, and he just hasn't been here as long as the other guys. So we eased him in today, um, routes on air, um, did all the individual work, but we don't want him going against anyone yet. Um, we'll reassess that each day, and 
Uh, we'll get him in there when we're comfortable with it. All right, there you go. So there's Kyle Shannon with an update on Jordan Reed. If Reed is healthy, think about these skill guys. If Reed is healthy and Debo is healthy and Hurd is healthy, it's all about health, and Trent Taylor seems healthy, then the type of things they can do with the chess pieces, oh, okay, you're, you're secondary, your team is good against these guys, we'll bring in these guys. Totally different. Jordan Reed with George Kittle, McKinnon coming out of the backfield, Trent Taylor in the slot, Jawan Jennings in the slot, Brandon Ayuk in the different versatilities that he uh, brings to the table. People forget this was a really good offense last year for the 49ers, but Kyle is a mad scientist, and you bring all these different guys into the brew. Again, health is a major concern, but they can go quick in the slot. They can go they can go big in the slot. They can bring a big group of guys. They can bring uh, extra tight ends. They can bring backs like McKinnon who can work in the slider out of the backfield. There's a lot of excitement in camp for the different things that these group of guys can do, but health is the big issue. Ah, an answer to our trivia question before we go. I asked you, of course, there is the Brady Six, but now after George Kittle got his big fat contract, there is the Kittle Eight, the eight tight ends drafted before George Kittle in the 2017 NFL Draft. O.J. Howard, 19th by Tampa. Evan Ingram, 23rd by the Giants. David Njoku, 29th by the Cleveland Browns, all in the first round. Gerald Everett, second round by the Rams. Adam Shaheen, 45th overall by the Bears. Johnu Smith, 100th by Tennessee. Michael Roberts, drafted 127th by Tennessee. And right before, the pick before George Kittle, Denver took Jake Butt, 145th. He's had a ton of knee problems. And then 146th, dropping right in the 49ers' laps. Fifth round, 146th, pick overall and number one in your hearts, George Kittle, who just got that big, fat contract. Are you impressed? Well, go impress your friends with the Kittle 8 if you are not. That's the John Lund Show. It is episode number one, the John Lund Show on the Niners Nation podcast network make sure you search niners nation where you get your favorite podcast make sure to rate five stars would be nice and subscribe hit me up on twitter at john lund radio questions comments any of those kind of things i'll get them in the podcast next week for episode number two and make sure if you're around the bay area can be our weekdays with the voice of the 49ers greg papa 10 a.m to 2 p.m if you're not in the bay area knbr.com that's the john lund show episode one on the niners nation podcast network